Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachma. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Hi and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. Today is Thursday, February the 23rd, 2023. And I got a text from Dr. Tim that says that uh, they've got a ice storm that has wiped out power to both the town he lives in and the town he works in. And he can't even get to his office. So um, he asked me to play a pre-recorded show. So I've picked out one. It's just titled Dr. Tim, Michelle, and Rachel. Hope you enjoy. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, The Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Good afternoon. This is uh, Dr. Tim Hayes on Mindshifters Radio. And I'm here to help first iron out some technological difficulties and then talk about the ancient Aramaic process of forgiveness. Michael and Jeannie are traveling today. They're, I think they said they're going to Costa Rica to check out a property for some kind of doing some workshops and um, some other things. And I'm not sure what um, Michelle's area code is, but... I'm, I'm right here. Um, are you 248? Yes. Wonderful. So, Michelle Pache is with us, and um, you can keep trying, Michelle. It, it finally worked for me, so I have the switchboard up, and I could turn you on. Okay. Well, and, let's... Um, and I think it's it possible with- for both of us to have the switchboard on at the same time and then you could watch that or we can just co-host as we're doing it now. Okay, well I will I'll continue to work on a um 
I'm glad did um we welcome everybody today to Mindshifter Radio and invite you to call in at 646-200-4169. Dr. Tim and I um, are here to help you process the learning and practice of forgiveness. And we'd love to hear your comments and questions and help support you in making this your show today. Did you have a nice dinner? Well, let's just talk about how today is Friday, November 29th. And let's talk about, while while you work on your technological stuff to see if you can get hooked into the switchboard, I will just do a brief intro of what our work is here. We're here for the tool of the ancient process of forgiveness. And what that's about is not pardoning someone. That's about reaching inside my mind and removing whatever is less than the energy of love that doesn't belong there. And most of us have been raised in a culture that has us conditioned to believe that things outside of us are causing what we're feeling inside of us. And nothing could be further from the truth. And this is ancient knowledge that cuts across many different cultures. It's not just Dr. Michael Rice, and he's got a corner on the market of truth, and it's not just Guy Finley is the only one who knows. It's not just Krishnamurti or Way of Mastery or Course in Miracles. The fact of the matter is it's here to be observed. What I think what I choose to focus my conscious awareness upon literally creates my experience of life in each moment. And my thoughts, if I pour enough energy into them, literally create the emotions I'm feeling. So if I understand, if I'm observing accurately and correctly what's happening in my life, I begin to see I'm the one who's initiating the mind energy of thought, and that's creating my experience in each moment. That's what is used to focus on tiny little bits of information that I then use to create my experience in each moment. And I have an example here of how this is not just related, this is not a an exclusive piece of knowledge for Dr. Rice's work or the ancient Aramaic scriptures. I have a preface from a book I'm going to read a little bit of. And the title of the book is Leadership and Self-Deception. The preface reads, For too long, the issue of self-deception has been the realm of deep-thinking philosophers, academics, and scholars working on the central questions of the human sciences. The public remains generally unaware of the issue. And that would be fine, except that self-deception is so pervasive that it touches every aspect of life. 
Touches is perhaps too gentle a word to describe its influence because self-deception actually determines one's experience in every aspect of life. The extent to which it does that, and in particular the extent to which it determines the nature of one's influence on and the experience of others, is the subject of this book. To give you an idea of what's at stake, consider the following analogy. An infant is learning how to crawl. She begins by pushing herself backward around the house. Backing herself around, she gets lodged beneath the furniture. There she thrashes about, crying and banging her little head against the sides and the undersides of the piece of furniture. She's stuck, and she hates it. So she does the only thing she can think of to get herself out. She pushes even harder, which only worsens her problem. She's more stuck than ever. If this infant could talk, she would blame the furniture for her troubles. After all, she's doing everything she can think of, so the problem couldn't be hers. But, of course, the problem is hers, even though she can't see it. While it's true she's doing everything she can think of, the problem is precisely that she can't see how she is the problem. Having the problem she has Nothing she can think of will be a solution. Self-deception is like this. It blinds us to the true causes of problems. And once we're blind, all the, quote, solutions, unquote, we can think of will actually make things worse. So that's the, the beginning of exactly what we're talking about here with the ancient Aramaic art of forgiveness. Most of us in this culture have been taught to think our pain, our sadness, our fear, our hurt, our offense, our insult are being caused by the outside world and by other people saying or doing things that we don't like, that we don't want them to do, that are bad, that are wrong, doing things to us. And the actual fact of the matter is I am creating my own experience in each moment with what I choose to focus my attention upon. Now, Dr. Michael Rice likes to talk about some Harvard research where they, they cite research that says, in the period of time that 10,000 units of electrical activity fire in my brain, I'm only able to be aware of nine, that's zero, nine, one short of 10, not 10,000, not 9,000, nine single bits of information, while my brain is processing 10,000. And in that same period of time, it's estimated that there are 20 trillion bits of information available in the world around me. Another way to think about that is that in some form or another, there are probably 20 trillion bits of information hitting my senses. You know, 
coming into my physical awareness in my senses. So someone just sent me an email from an article in the Huffington Post where it says, the human brain takes in 11 million bits of information every second, but is aware of only 40, four zero. So we are living in a world that is an energy field within an energy field within an energy field within an energy field. And the antenna that we have to use to interpret, to receive that information and interpret it, simply cannot keep up with or receive wide ranges of the energy vibrations that are there. And so we make approximations based on what we are able to pull in through these antennas that we call the eyes and the ears and the hands and the skin and the taste buds, and we make a guess about what life really is like. And every time we make a guess about what life really is like, and it leaves us feeling some form of anger or fear or sadness or hurt, that's the creator's way of giving us an alarm system to let us know we're making a mistake. We've chosen the wrong 40 bits of information when our brain was processing 11 million bits of information. In this moment, in this instant, I've chosen the wrong nine bits of information to create my reality. And when I do that, I'm tapping into energies that I'm creating that are leaving me feeling anger, fear, sadness, hurt, frustration. And if I keep looking outside of myself for a solution to that, I will be doomed to prison within my own senses, within my own thought pattern, for as long as I keep looking outside of me. The ancient Aramaic process of forgiveness is about how to wake up to the alarm that's going off inside of me and turn the focus of my attention away from the things outside of me onto what's going on inside of me, apply the tool of forgiveness, which means to cancel and dismantle the energies that don't belong there, to cancel and dismantle the inappropriate estimations and guesses I've made of what's really happening in the world and return the focus of my attention to my true nature, which is that energy of creation. Some have called it love. Some have called it God. Some have called it spirit. But it's energy, and it's flowing, and it wants to grow. It wants to feel expansion. It wants to be creative. It wants to be loving. It wants to be compassionate. And anything that's less than that within my experience is something for me to dismantle. So that's what we're here to talk about, the tool for that which has been made available to us at this time is through Dr. Michael Rice's work and the ancient Aramaic Kabur's manuscript, and it can be found for free at www.whyagain.org. And if you go to that website, 
click on the link that says start here or click on the red and white bullseye in the center of the page. It will take you to a page where you can download Chapter 24 of Dr. Bryce's book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? You can download the most recent version of the seven-step worksheet process, and you can download and you are strongly encouraged to download and listen to six audio files where Dr. Rice and or Jeannie walk someone through the process of forgiveness with the Reality Management Worksheet tool. And if you do that, you'll have more, far more than you need to become a student and eventually by becoming a perpetually avid student of this work, a master of using the tool of forgiveness on yourself, in your own energy system, around the issues in your life which leave you feeling anger, fear, sadness, pain, hurt, frustration, or guilt, all of which are useful alarms to tell you that the focus of your conscious and energy of awareness is off the mark. So I'll take a breath and ask Michelle if there's anybody with a hand up or any questions in the chat room. Thanks, Tim. Um, nobody is in the chat room quite yet, and um, got several people listening, but nobody with their hand up right now. All right. Um, so, how was your holiday weekend, or the beginning of it yesterday? It was um, quite lovely. I, um, my husband and I, uh, spent the day with our five kids and. Listening to the show and cooked, had dinner, and, and then um, the evening activity was watching home videos from when we first got together 11 years ago. ago. And um, the youngest was still in diapers, and so the, all the little kids, um, all the little videos, I mean, it was interesting because now they're all teenagers. And so it was quite a hoot. Seeing their personalities in the home videos and then as they are um, pretty much adults now, and uh, so everyone got a kick out of it. It was, it was a lot of fun. It sounds like a delightful time. Yeah, but, um, the, um, the weekend, there was uh, more, more Thanksgiving parties, um, different sides of the family, so I'm looking forward to it, just having it unfolded. I'm actually working today, though. Um, I came to the office to pick up, um, you know, catch up with some clients, that I had to miss from being in Florida last week. So um, as um, the universe designed, I've actually got Rachel here with me, who I'm introducing to the work. She is a very intelligent seven-year-old woman, and um, we discuss the concepts that Michael Rice discussed, and I invited her, with her permission, um, to share a little bit because um, she has some skepticism about some of the things um, I'm actually presenting to her, and I thought it would be maybe helpful to hear it um, from a different perspective. I um, brought some images up today of little babies, little newborn babies, um, to, to help her get into that space. Um, but but um, maybe she can language it herself. She actually um, does radio show herself, so she's pretty comfortable with this format. Um, hi, I'm Rachel. Uh, yeah, the I guess my biggest problem is the idea that you can get back to that place. 
of when you were a child, when you were a baby of the, you know, the pure happiness or the pure love. And um, it's just like I, I have difficulty with comprehending the idea that you could erase everything that has shaped you like all the pain and the heartbreak and, um, you know, uh, the negative things that have happened to you. It's kind of, um, it's just hard to think that uh, you could ever get back to such a pure, a pure way of looking at the world, I guess. All right. So uh, your first name again is? Rachel. Thank you, Rachel. Well, that's an excellent question. And, Uh, There are probably a variety of different answers for it. My suggestion would be that you not try to do any of that and that you simply pick up the tool and apply it one situation at a time and see the results for yourself. I mean, skepticism is a wonderful thing. Um, I think yesterday on the show, Michael even said something like, uh, or maybe this is a Guy Finley. Uh, Guy Finley has a a talk where he said, um, we, there's a Stevie Wonder song where he says, when you believe in things that you don't understand and you suffer. So we're advocating that people drop the belief systems, whatever they are, and come to live more very directly in the moment using direct observation. So I don't want to try and convince you of anything. I just want to suggest that you pick up the tool and apply it to a situation. Now, in talking about the rest of your statement or a question, I would offer that we don't erase our past experiences. We don't change our history. And when I work with people, I'm very careful to say, we're not going digging through your history looking for all the pain. But if there's something that you're trying to do today, something that you would like to have be different, and in the process of dismantling that, it leads us to an energy that you have stored, a belief system that you're holding on to from a past interaction. And the thoughts around that belief keep generating anger or fear or sadness or hurt. Then let's get to work on figuring those out and dismantling them one by one. This doesn't change your past. You will still have a memory of the events. But when this is done effectively, those events become neutral. And the pain I have attached to a memory, the emotional pain, the fear, the sadness, the hurt, can be dismantled. And I can still be in full possession of the memory and the lessons that I can derive from having had that experience. But this isn't about changing my past. This is simply about changing the thought energy that I keep generating around those past events, and the negative emotions that I keep generating without realizing that it's me generating them. So does that make any sense? 
Yes, it does. What would be an ideal situation to start with uh, using the tools? Like you said, you know, start with one situation. Like what's an example of uh, a good starting place? Any negative emotion I'm having in the moment or any recurring thought that, that leaves me feeling unsettled or unhappy or sad or scared or hurt. You know, recently on the show I talked about how when I first got introduced to the tools, I I would um, have something that would um, occur and my response to it would be either anger or sadness or fear in the moment. And I would know, oh, this is a good thing. I should go do a worksheet on this. And in the past few weeks I've had several situations happen where as the event is unfolding, I'm feeling very calm, very centered, feeling like I'm I have a balance with my emotions and my logic and and the situation resolves itself and then 2 or 3 or 5 or 28 hours later I'm still thinking of it. And I don't I'm not aware of a negative emotion, but if I'm still thinking of it 28 hours later, it's probably a good target for a few worksheets. What that what that has I've learned is that that means I'm hiding from myself the negative thoughts and the emotions attached to it. So it could be anything from somebody doesn't show up for an appointment to somebody questions something I just said on the radio show to um, my son getting into serious trouble with the law. Any, Any situation that I then use to generate negative thoughts and emotions is a wonderful target for a worksheet or a whole series of them. And I have lots of personal individual examples, but there are six on the website that you can download. And I'm sure that if you're working with Michelle, you can just talk about any current situation in your life that has you feeling less than love and start right there. Well, you know, it's it's funny. We um we did a worksheet in in session and explained it to her and um had her had her take one home and test it out and um the next week she's like, What else you got? <laughs> as far as the tools. And so, um and I'm 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 saying this with her permission. Um and uh so I gave her a mind shifter. Actually, I let her um, her spirit pick the numbers, and we got the affirmation down, and, and she went home to journal. She liked that idea, kind of like uh, you said, uh, a structured journaling. And I don't know, it was like 20 minutes into it, you said? Like that, yeah, something like that. Oh, yeah, it was like uh, 20 or 30 minutes into it, and it was just, it was, a little too rough, it, like, you know, it cut open a wound or whatever. And then something happened the next day with my father that kind of poured salt in the wound, and I just, I couldn't take it. So I actually almost went to the hospital because of how overwhelming it was. Like, I think, I think in the end, obviously, I believe that it was a good experience overall. I think it was good to, you know, show strength and um really find out what's going on but how deep that the mind shifter can really 
get into your own mind, it's uh, it's overwhelming <laughs> at times. It's All right, difficult. so what you're talking about is, is a perfect set of targets for the worksheet process. These wounds and the salt that gets poured in the wound, listen to your language. There's a part of you that believes that something outside of you deeply hurt you from these past interactions, and you're carrying them around and reactivating those thoughts, which is reactivating the emotions and the, the experience of pain. And this work would have you tune into the idea that that pain, the anger, the fear, the sadness, the hurt, the wound you're talking about, the salt being poured in the wound, is an alarm system to help you see, oh, my thoughts are off target. Here I am sitting in a climate-controlled room with a, a therapist who's trying to be supportive, and I'm experiencing anger, fear, sadness, hurt, whatever it is. How am I creating that? Well, let me look inside myself for a change instead of focusing on things outside of me or things from my past and let me dismantle what I'm using within my own thought to generate this alarm that's going off. So whatever goals you had for people in that mind shifter that they weren't satisfying, that would be a wonderful place to start a worksheet. Identify the goal that you had for your father or identify the goal that you had for your mother or whoever else was in that material that you were pouring out on the page in your mind shifter. And you can start that worksheet process at any level. So maybe you just become aware of a goal I had for my dad and you write the goal in and then you back up and fill in, oh, I, this was about my dad and this is what was happening and this is the thought I have and this is the emotion and So that would be an answer to your question. That would be a, a wonderful place to start the reality management worksheet process, the material that got stirred up in your mind shifter. And using the worksheet will eventually allow me to let go of the anger and of the, um, um, I suppose, maybe a little betrayal of, you know, not living up to the expectations that I have, you know, and to forgive all of that pain and forgive the people who I believe caused it, even though, you know, like you said, it it started within myself. Well, you, let me just say that you could allow yourself to let go anytime you choose. There's no force outside of you that's forcing you to hold on to the thoughts and emotions that are generating this pain within you. You do have, and this is something that you can observe for yourself with a little practice, you have the infinite capacity to choose the focus of your conscious awareness in each moment. So as I listened to your language and you were asking me if, if using the worksheet would allow you to do something, I'm here to tell you that all the great spiritual traditions I've ever read about Recognize this one truth. You allow yourself. You choose. You have the infinite capacity to choose the focus of your conscious awareness. So if you wanted to allow yourself 
to let go of this, you could at any moment, whether there's a worksheet process involved or not. Now, you may not know how, and the worksheet process may be able to show you. You may be like most of us who are stuck in the conscious, logical mind, conditioned to think we've got to think our way through this. But as Einstein said, we've been given a precious gift and a faithful servant, but we live in a culture that has forgotten the gift and elevated the servant to the level of master. Now, the precious gift he was referring to is intuition, and the faithful servant he was referring to is the logical mind. So every worksheet, or most of them, different versions of them, have hit this in different levels, but the current worksheet spells it out very clearly when it says, my mind is using sustained incoherence. And what that means is, I'm thinking my way into a situation where I feel anger or fear or sadness, and I'm using my thoughts to create that pain, and then I decide I'm going to think my way out of it. But it's my thoughts that are creating my own emotions. So I'm not going to think my way out of it. And every worksheet process has me canceling my need to be right, canceling my need for anyone or anything else outside of me to change, specifically canceling the goal I'm holding in this individual worksheet and asking for help from some higher level of awareness or energy to be shown the hidden part of my mind that's actually creating my pain. So the worksheet will not allow you, but the worksheet is a tool that you could choose to pick up and use and do the work. You can allow yourself at any moment to reconnect your conscious awareness to your true nature as love and breathe and feel that energy flowing through you, the energy that's keeping your heart pumping and your food digesting and your lungs breathing without you having to think about it at all. Are you breathing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um it, what you said makes a lot of sense. Uh I feel like at times I am allow my I can allow myself to, you know, connect and really feel uh Michelle was there at one time when I was feeling good and I felt, you know, connected to the universe or whatever. But it's like um it's like a faulty wire, you know. I guess it takes maintenance, and you gotta gotta keep taping it up. And uh, it's just there's struggle. <laughs> it's difficult to uh, maintain it and to um, keep well, yourself. Well, let me suggest that it isn't so much a faulty wire as it is decades of conditioning in my life and the energetic impressions I received from thousands of generations in my bloodline. So my job is to develop a part of my mind that watches, observes myself, observes my thought process and my habit and my conditioning and stays alert to the times when I fall back into the old conditioning and then without judging myself, without beating myself up, simply takes a breath and chooses anew in that moment to cancel the goal, 
to drop the conditioned reflex, to, to observe myself from an impartial, loving, accepting position. There's a there's a woman who is um, she's a Jewish Buddhist. Sylvia Borstein, I think, is her name, and I love the way she talks about it. Whenever she's feeling anger or fear or sadness, she puts her hand over her heart space and she says, Sylvia, dear, sweetheart, you're in pain. Take a few deep breaths. We'll look at what's going on, and then we'll decide what to do. But for now, sweetheart, you're in pain. Take a few deep breaths. We'll look at what's going on, and then we'll decide what to do. So I think it's important that we learn to be more gentle with ourselves and we realize we're not broken, we're not damaged. We may have some old habits and some conditioning running us, but with awareness and with some tools, we can drop the old patterns and learn some new skills to apply and dismantle the energy and the belief and the thoughts that say we are less than love because they are all in error. I got an email from somebody earlier in the week that said, some work I did recently brought me to a new level. She said, I've struggled with the Dr. Rice worksheets for years. One of the hang-ups for me was, quote, releasing my need to be right, unquote. I didn't get it until yesterday. Consequently, I did five worksheets this morning with more meaning and understanding than ever. So if you're struggling with the worksheet process, you're probably like most of us who are trying to make sense of things through the logical mind and through the conditioning of years, if not decades, that say we have to think our way out of it and that other people are causing what we're feeling. And my best recommendation for you is don't believe a thing I'm saying. Try it. Try it for yourself. And congratulations to you for picking up that mind shifter tool and using it to uncover some of the hidden parts of your mind that are generating what sounds like a significant amount of pain. You talked about wounds and salt in wounds and feeling so intensely overwhelmed that you almost went to the hospital. That's fabulous that you would let yourself uncover what you've been doing to yourself all these years and then open the possibility in that same moment that you can dismantle some of it. Congratulations. Dr. Tim, I definitely um, second that. I've been telling Rachel for as long as I've known her how amazing she is and um, the opportunity that presented itself today in terms of her willingness to um, come on the show and and discuss it openly with you and and, uh, take another look at things is um, 
is very inspiring. She um, was encouraged to use the commitment to myself tool, and um, she she struggled with it. <laughs> Put me on the spot, huh? Um, yeah, I just it's difficult when you uh, see yourself as nothing but hate and see yourself as something awful and something that. Well, I, I have to correct you there because I don't see myself as nothing but hate and something that's awful. Do you know somebody okay. who does? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this girl, her name's Rachel. Uh, <laughs> but, no, um, when I see myself as something, as, you know, um, staying on, like, uh, you look around the world and if you actually Wait a minute. go out and measure. Who, who's looking around the world? I, when I look around the world and I am in nature and I look at it and, you know, I see how beautiful it is and how perfectly at peace everything is. And then I see myself as something that shouldn't belong, that doesn't belong. So well, I would love to support you in dismantling that view of yourself. And I want to encourage you to take some deep breaths and realize that any time you see anyone or anything and you believe you're experiencing them as beautiful or wonderful or creative or intelligent or loving, that the old schoolyard admonition is absolutely true. It takes one to know one. And in that moment, when you're seeing nature and you're seeing it as beautiful, the only way you could see or recognize its beauty is if it was resonating that same beautiful energy within you. It can't happen otherwise. Are you breathing? Yes. <laughs> no, she wasn't. <laughs> uh, yes, like, that's the thing. Um, well, let me just encourage you to breathe for a moment rather than talk about how that's the thing. Just breathe for a minute and think oh, about no. last time you were in nature and you felt it was just gorgeous. And just resonate a little bit with some of the words I've just shared. And notice what comes up for you. What do you notice? Um, I suppose somewhat... Uh, recognition of the truth of your words. Um, it definitely makes sense, you know, what you were saying about uh, you can only see it if it's also within yourself. So I would encourage you the next time you're around someone or something in nature that you see as desirable or pleasant or intelligent or lovely or beautiful, 
And if at that time the thoughts come up within yourself that you were mentioning before, that you're less than that, think about what goal you're holding for yourself in that moment and just take a chance on canceling that goal and ask to be shown the hidden part of your mind that's actually holding the pain that you're experiencing in that moment or that's being generated by that thought. Comments, questions? Thank you. I, I really appreciate um, uh, your wisdom and the fact that you shared it with me. Okay, well, you're entirely welcome, and I would just remind you that my wisdom is limited to the idea that I'm learning to live more by direct observation and apply some tools. So please don't believe what we're saying. Pick up the tools and try it. Belief is literally a prison. So choose love, choose freedom, choose to apply the tools, and it seems like you're like many of the rest of us, with the possible exception that you've got more willingness and courage than most, and you're carrying around lots of negative thoughts and beliefs about yourself. And I would love to be able to support you, and I know Michael and Jeannie would, and I know Michelle would, in dismantling all of those negative thoughts and beliefs about yourself and any traumatic energies that might you might be carrying around in your energy system that that are just blocking your ability to see your true your true nature. Thank you so much, Dr. Tim. Rachel doesn't know there's a love exchange in her future, but we'll get to that. <laughs> she's, she's declined that opportunity, but um, we're, we're, I will continue to ask. So thank you. Listen, um, we've got Richard with his hand up, so why don't we say hi and see what's going on in New York. Hi, Dr. Tim. How are you guys? Hey, happy Thanksgiving, Richard. Hi. Good. I'm actually diving, but I just wanted to uh, jut in here and say how wonderful this conversation. I've been listening to it for about a half an hour, and I just wanted to say how great the conversation is and uh, what's been going on, uh, the conversation between you two, and I really appreciate that. I think it's a great one of the, one of the great talk shows that's uh, being recorded. Anyway, I uh, also wanted to mention to Dr. Tim when we talked talked about the incoherent energy in the first part of the worksheet. But what really isn't talked about in the other half of the worksheet is the coherent energy, which is just the way I see things. And basically, that uh, you know, light energy is coming into the world. You know, the, the chlorophyll transforms it for our use, the animals' use. In the end, it's light energy that's building up in the system, and life itself is basically 
in the end, the what 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 the life force is really the coherent energy. It's, gener- it's activated to uh, create the life force. So anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. That we really don't discuss that much, or it's not really pointed out in the uh, worksheet process. It's that coherent energy that we're really actually after building, and in the essence, this the essence of love. So I just wanted to throw that little comment in there and uh, just say how wonderful today's show is and something uh, happened to mark that one and send out to a few of my friends. So thank you very much for that great show today. You're very welcome, Richard, and thank you. And, um, you know, there's there are several of Dr. Rice's talks where he taps into it, especially in the more recent talks, because he's still learning and we're all still learning. But scientists today will tell us that, beginning with Einstein, when Einstein said, there is no such thing as matter. Everything is energy. What we've heretofore called matter is energy, energy which has been so slowed as to become perceptible to the senses. There is no matter. And since that time, scientists have developed greater sensitivity with their tools, and they've come to conclusions such as all matter is condensed light energy. And as they keep working with it, they're seeing more and more as they get into the quantum level of things that actually our mind energy has a tremendous impact a creative impact on the light energy and on what gets slowed and what gets sped up and what gets perceived. And in a very real way, the goal of each worksheet is to remove from my conscious awareness and my unconscious mind and my energy field any energy which is less than that creative energy, that loving energy, that coherent energy that Richard is talking about. And as I do so, it changes my experience of life. So thank you, Richard. That's a wonderful point. Well, Okay, so Michelle, any other thoughts um, from you or Rachel? Any other people with their hand up? Uh, I just had to mute, Richard. Um, I actually want to comment on that. I'm reading a book right now called Advanced Studies of the Human Aura. The subtitle is How to Charge Your Energy Field with Light and Spiritual Radiance. And um, there's a paragraph here. It says, The aura of the great central sun contains all of the life-giving frequencies that sustain all created life at all levels of awareness, from the tiniest microorganisms to the most massive of suns and galaxies. Through divine intelligence, the great central sun is able to feed the specific frequencies required by each created being that are essential to its life, regulating what is able to be received and assimilated by that one. The great suns at the center of the various solar systems receive a much more powerful conveyance of divine light food in comparison with what the tiny creatures that exist deep within the earth are able to feed on. And um, 
it just goes on to say that, um, as some of you have discovered, when you refine your lives and learn the science of solar gazing, you will be amazed to realize that the cells of your being can actually be nourished more by the pure divine food of the sun's rays than by the diets that the dietitians of today teach. So and it's fascinating to me in terms of um, human evolution that um, we could be moving as, let's say, in doing the forgiveness work and raising your vibration and being able to um, become a solar being and kind of like I think maybe more closer to how we started before we came into a dense matter. So I just um, a thought that I wanted to share given um, what he said and, and some extracurricular, curricular, I can't say it, some extra reading I'm doing on the side. Yeah, that other kind of activity. Curricular. There we go. <laughs> so um, actually, um, we've got about seven minutes left, and um, let's say hi to Sunny. Hi there. Hey, how are you? I am great, thank you. Um, I don't know if maybe this helps Rachel, but um, that whole Dr. Tim, like he's communicating today about figuring it out and all of that, for myself, it was just the little voice inside my head to just knock on the door and it shall be opened unto you. And um, a quote from another author is that we don't have to understand this stuff. We just have to be willing to allow it in. And when I reached the point for myself of just saying, okay, you know, Ruka, you have my full willingness. I fully submit. Then that's when things started to change for me. And I didn't have to be afraid. I was just willing and just allow it to come in if that helps Rachel because I could kind of hear you know, kind of hear that in her responses to much of this. It's just, you don't have to be afraid. Just just fully submit to the willingness and that, yes, you want to know, you want to understand it, but just let it flow and it will come. That's how it occurred for me, and hopefully that helps her. And um, for time's sake, um, I was uh, texting some people, you know, in the uh, Facebook, and I noted when I was referring or mentioning to my friend about the whyagain.org, it automatically brought up the logo for the website. And I just wanted to encourage, maybe share that with people, that if you're not communicating this through your Facebook friends, it's a really subtle way of referring others and spreading the word and the message that we do exist. <laughs> and kind of a nice little promotional way of, you know, maybe putting our own quotes and inspirations during this holiday season out to people and at the same time referring them to the radio show and the website. And I just noted that yesterday when I I found a couple of people that were kind of down in the dumps and I thought, well, here, while you're sitting there all by yourself on the holiday, go to the website and see if that lifts you, you know. And I noticed that that prompt does come up. So that's kind of a nice way of gifting people um, and promoting and, and spreading this word and doing your own little ministry is that that prompt will pop up for people to um, access material that otherwise we may not be reaching. And that's about it. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank You're you very and welcome. have a wonderful weekend. 
I am looking forward to it, and God bless you. All right, Michelle, anybody else in the last five minutes with a question or a comment or a hand up? Nope, not right now. Um, Chat room was very quiet today, and we don't have any other callers in queue, so actually if anybody's listening wants to pop in and say hi, um, we can do that here before we close out. Any last-minute comments or questions from Rachel? Um, no, not from me. I just I want to say thank you to the callers, um, Richard and Sunny. Uh, I hope it's Sunny, right? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it, it was quite interesting um, listening to you guys, and I really appreciate your views and um, helpfulness. So thank you. And thank you to um, Dr. Tom. Tim. Tim. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm awful with names. Dr. Well, Tim. no reason to apologize. We are um, greatly uh, appreciative of all the calls and questions, but it's an extra special treat to have somebody there with Michelle who's done some work and had some, you know, powerful questions. It's We keep encouraging people to ask your questions because if you have the question, it's everybody's question, and it's a it's a wonderful nudge to the show to get us to talk once again about the idea that we do not want you to believe what we're saying. We don't want you to be a follower. We don't want you to be um, belong to our group. We want you to try these things out and see if it improves your life. If it does, great, do more of it. If it doesn't, move on to some other school of thought or tool or way of meditation or prayer because it's it's your birthright, some would say. It's what you were meant to be on this planet is that energy of creation, to live from that space of love. How do we know that? Well, because that's how we start. And time after time, babies are born and the adults around them look at them and have that same feeling. And sometimes they're lucky enough to get stirred to the actual recognition and remembrance of when they felt that way. And that energy of creation, that energy of love, that energy of acceptance and gentleness and creativity is what we're made of. And we don't want you to believe it. We want you to just observe it. And if you're having difficulty observing that energy flow within yourself, one great way to do it is find a newborn child or find an infant that hasn't yet had the thumbprints of the world placed upon him or her and just breathe in that breath. Just sit with that light and let it awaken Let it awaken memories within you. And then, once that memory's been awakened, if you have any difficulty sustaining that, pick up some tools to help you clear out the garbage in your mind and your body's energy system that keep you from tuning into that 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And in that process, work at 
having the best year yet of your eternal life. Thank you so much, Rachel and Michelle. Join us again next week. Thank you for joining us. This is the second hour of Mindshifters Radio, and today is Thursday, February the 23rd, 2023. And our calling number is 563-999-3581. And press 1, and that puts you in the queue to talk to us. And we'd love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. And while we're waiting on Michael to dial in, I'll just say I got a text from Dr. Tim and basically it said that um, they had had an ice storm and they had no power at his house or at his work and the roads were closed and there was just all kinds of things going on and he couldn't even get to where he could turn on the switchboard. So um, we played um, a pre-recorded show and that was with uh, Dr. Tim and Michelle Pache and one of her clients named Rachel. That was actually from Thanksgiving of 2013. I had to go back and look because you mentioned that Michael and I were in Costa Rica and we were looking at some property down there for doing workshops and things at that time. That was 10 years ago. Man, time flies. And uh, so it was, it was good re-listening to that. And uh, I've added a few more things to the website so go to whyagain.org and one of the things I put out there was um, I pulled yesterday's um, part of the show where Michael talked with our caller Michael about the Avison and so that is actually on our YouTube channel now and also the boron video that we had been talking about uh, that's on our YouTube channel and then I've added a testimonial onto the website where a gentleman was introduced to a video off of YouTube, and it was on living, not saying the Lord's Prayer, and setting a trap for God. So that's now out in their testimonial page with a link to his website where he put the the video. So there's a lot of things just popping up over there on the website. Go out and look around. If you find something's not working, please drop me a line and let me know. It's Jeannie, J-E-A-N-I-E at whyagain.org and let me know. And I'll welcome Michael. And Michael, I was just saying, I looked it up, and that was Thanksgiving of 2013, that show that we just played. So, Really? Wow. A fast 10 years. 10 years, that's for sure. Fast is it. So it's, we're in Costa Rica that week. Hmm. Interesting. 2013, too. Time flies when you're having fun. Well, welcome, everybody. Delighted that you're here. And all things moving forward in all directions. So really glad to have this opportunity to, to talk with you. And one of the questions that young lady asked Dr. Tim, which she answered very beautifully, was, you know, gee, I've had all these terrible, traumatic, horrible experiences. How could I ever... Get rid of those, in essence, what I, is what I heard her saying. And, of course, if we think an experience, oh, this is a thing that happened, then, of course, that thing must exist forever, and we're stuck with it. But when you realize that we don't live in a world of things, you know, if we listen to Albert Einstein, he's one of the key pivot points in really understanding his work, which is as ancient as ancient can get. When Albert Einstein says, on such things as matter, we have been all wrong. What we have heretofore called matter is energy, 
energy whose vibrations have been so lowered as to be perceptible to the senses, there is no matter, then you realize that what we think of as a thing experience or a thing period, it isn't a thing, it's energy. And everything is energy. So if we go through a traumatic experience and we hold, if we don't know how to process that trauma and we hold it, then of course that trauma especially if we're blaming somebody else for it, especially if we're not willing, you know, oh, I don't ever want to deal with that. I don't ever want to look at that one. As long as we're doing that, then we hold that energy pattern in the state of trauma that we experienced when the trauma happened. But there's this wondrous little piece of information that, if you know it, changes everything. And that is, if there is anything in my field that's based in other than love, love is, and I'm talking not about the the culture's definition of sexual athletics or self-sacrifice, you know, put your head on the chopping block, but the actual physiological presence of human life in our human form, the presence of love, when we take things out of hiding by simple exposure to love, those things are transformed. There is, you know, we've been talking more recently about this ancient law called the perpetual transmutation of radiant energy. Transmutation simply means change. As I said yesterday, you know, a, a, a plant in the ground is hit by sunshine and the energy from the sun is transmuted. It's changed from the sun's energetic pattern by the leaf of the, the plant into chlorophyll. That's a transmutation. That's a, it's like that's the plant's superpower, is the ability to transform sunlight, water, nutrients into chlorophyll, which can nurture any form that partakes of it. So we see that transmutation taking place. An energy pattern that is less than love could be defined for, for an energy system that's designed for love. An energy pattern that is less than love, does not contain love, but comes from hate or fear or rage or guilt or grief or drama or trauma, could be said to be a trauma for that field designed for love. It doesn't belong in that field. And you say, but how do we get it out? When you take that deformed energy, that energy that never belonged in human experience, and you bring it forward into the active presence of love, it's like bringing a plant to sunshine. There's a transmutation. The literal active energy of human life, of actual human love, which is nothing but a reflection of what's been called divine love, brings a transmutation, a change. <clears throat> you might remember in the ancient scriptures they talked about how, and, and a lot of people have, in the churchianity game have turned this into something kind of wonky. You know, they talk about how, well, God cannot look upon on sin. 
Well, let's first of all define sin. Sin is a, an archery term, and in the ancient times, if you were on the archery range firing at the bullseye with your bow and arrow, and you missed the bullseye, the scorekeeper would yell sin. It would be an, 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 a warning that you were off the mark. That's all the word means. So any energy, it, it isn't that, you know, when they say God can't look on sin, it isn't that God's a goody two-shoes and can't look there. <laughs> I mean, that's silly. But what it does mean is that the blazing active presence of love, if anything of a disjointed, disintegrative, off-the-mark sin energy appears in the presence of active love, it's instantly transmuted. It is no more what it was. So anything that would come into the active presence of that powerful, blazing love, we might say, is going to burn up or transmute anything other than itself. That's the whole bottom line of this healing process. So to recognize that if there's something you're not willing to deal with, you know, there's an old saying that says, the coward dies a thousand deaths, the brave only once. Put it in the context of this conversation, and the person who says, no, I'm not going to own that, no, I'm never going to own that, no, I'm always going to blame somebody else for it, keeps that traumatic energy in hiding somewhere in their energy field where, one, it is literally an energetic pattern that's going to draw somebody to bump into it, somebody to resonate it, and so it guarantees that one's going to get to experience that trauma over and over and over again. If you want a more detailed look at that, go to our website, whyagain.org, and on the front page, there's a picture of my book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? Click on the book, drill down, download a copy of the book, and read about why is this happening to me again. That which people refuse to own or deal with. That which people stay in the lie that I'm only experiencing this because of somebody else guarantees that they stay stuck in that. But this genius mind from 2,000 years ago that said there's a way around that. There's a way to put an end to those patterns. Here's how you do it. You forgive. Now, sadly, the Greeks took that and basically have brainwashed virtually the whole world into believing that I forgive when I let you off the hook because there's pain moving in me. And, of course, if I let you off the hook because there's pain moving in me, I have to keep the truth of what's going on with my pain hidden inside of me, which guarantees I'm going to get to do it again. But this genius 2,000 years ago showed exactly how to collapse the projections of the human mind, the constructs of the human mind, where we can take what's moving inside of us, and, and we still feel it. That's how you can tell it's yours. We still feel it, but we can create this false visual image that it's caused by somebody else. We can literally take that trauma energy through denial, hide it from ourselves, hide the truth of what's happening from ourselves, and make up a whole world, a whole false world, which is where most people live continuously. How can you tell if you've ever lived there? Have you ever said to somebody, you made me? Have you ever blamed somebody? If you're blaming somebody, that's where you're living. In, in order to pretend that the energy that's moving in your field belongs to somebody else, you have to hide it from yourself. 
And then you have to hallucinate literally a whole world that most people live in, a world of pictures in their minds that takes the very pattern of trauma that this other person has resonated for us and put it into our brain's image of them and then hang out with the belief that our trauma and our pain is about them. And that means that the trauma energy has to remain in a dissociated state. In a dissociated state, it can't be accessed. That guarantees the why is this happening to me again experience. So when offered actual forgiveness, and the word forgiveness in Aramaic is shebag, it means to cancel, to let loose, or to untie. Now, sometimes people mistakenly think that their forgiveness is, or the canceling is, well, I've got some pain, so I'm going to cancel my pain, or I've got some rage, so I'm going to cancel my rage. I've got some fear, so I'm, well, I'll just cancel that fear. No, that's a misuse of the idea of canceling. You can't say, I'm going to cancel this energy in me. You have to step into the place where you can process that energy that's in you. And processing in this work we define as the ability to hold love conscious, active, and present when something less than love comes up. And so if I can hold to active, present love and bring out of hiding whatever my trauma is, then like the sun hitting the leaf of the plant and that plant transmuting the sun into chlorophyll, combining energetic patterns within itself, the water, the, the minerals and such, into chlorophyll, that transmutation occurs when I collapse the false projections from my mind, perception. You know, we've been taught that we see through our eyes, and our eyes have never shown us anything. The eye is a one-way valve. Light energy comes into it. Yes, absolutely. It's an antenna for light energy, and the information carried by that light energy is communicated to the brain. And then the mind goes into action when things are resonated that are stored within the structure. The mind goes into action and generates a picture, converts into what the ancients called an appearance, the energetic patterns of blame. And so what we're holding in us that causes trauma, we now build our brain's image of them, the person we're blaming out of it. And truly we see them with our problem attached because we literally generate that perception, that construct in our minds out of that energy we've dissociated from. And by so doing, we have made sure we will never heal. We will never transmute that energy because you can only transmute the energy of a trauma by bringing a trauma to the light. Of course, the miracle talks about it as bring the world you do not want to the one you do. So part of the practice of forgiveness is holding to conscious act of present love. The other part is this genius piece that I've never seen anywhere else in the world besides from the ancient Aramaic teachings of Yeshua and in the Course in Miracles, he details it exactly the same way. 
and recognizing that the constructs of the human mind, perception, is something done by the brain out of its content. That's why, and you'll notice whenever somebody's ever blamed you of something that, of, of doing something you didn't do or saying something you didn't say, you'll notice that they were always in some form of hostility or fear. Hostility or fear means that my mind is using corrupt data to build the picture world that I see. Yeshua understood what drove that process. I don't know how he understood it, but you'll notice that, you know, unless you're just a generally miserable person, you're pretty happy with everybody who's doing what you want them to do. As long as everybody's fulfilling your goals, notice you're pretty happy with them. Things are cool. The only time that you're not in a, a positive space with someone is when they have not or are not fulfilling a goal that you hold for them. And as you recognize that, hmm, I'm only upset with people who aren't fulfilling my goals. How do my goals relate to my upset? And why am I experiencing this upset again that, gee, I can remember having this upset at 10 with my, my first uh, really good friend. I can remember having this energy of upset, gee, when I was 17 and I started dating this person. I can remember my energy of upset, gee, they're, they're, why is this happening to me again? And you'll notice that each time with that friend in childhood you had upset, that friend wasn't doing something you wanted them to do, was not fulfilling a goal that you had for them. And again, how this genius mind 2,000 years ago came to understand this baffles me, but I'm sure glad that he gave the instruction. Now, of course, those who didn't want to do the work ran away and said, ah, I'm not doing this. I'm just going to forget it, and I'm going to let somebody else do it for me. I'm weak and helpless anyway. You remember on the occasion where there's a group of disciples that Yeshua is instructing on what they have to do, half of them literally turn around and leave, and they leave whining, too hard a saying. In essence, what they were saying is it's too hard to face what I'm carrying around inside of me and going through changing that. So I'm going to make up a story that I can't do that, but that you can do it for me. And now I'm gone. I'm never coming back. It's interesting. You read those passages in Yeshua after half of the disciples leave, whining about how hard it is to do the work he's prescribed. He turns to Peter and says, you going to leave too? Taking responsibility for what's going on in our field, for the traumas that we hold, is not an easy thing. But it's a pathway through to healing. And in the Aramaic language, the word forgive is shabag or shabak, and it literally translates to cancel. So if I've got a massive rage in me, I can't just cancel a massive rage. If I have a massive fear in me, I can't just cancel a massive fear. However, if my rage or my fear is what's at the root of the construct of my mind, my perception, the world I think is outside of me but actually exists only inside of me and is generated by my own mind, when I recognize that, that every time there's upset, it's linked to a goal, then what I cancel is the goal 
for this person to do whatever I want them to do. And each time you do the forgiveness process, the more precisely uh, you identify the goal that you hold for whoever that is, the more powerful the forgiveness process will be. And so when you recognize, gee, I'm blaming Bill for this, this, and this, and yeah, I was blaming Harry last year, and uh, oh yeah, then there was Hortense four years ago. Yeah, she did it to me. Uh, Oh yeah, and I remember when I was 12, boy, that guy down the block, he was a real SOB. He did the same thing to me. Boy, hmm. Here I am, having it done to me again. Maybe they're not doing it to me. Maybe the fact that I hold a goal for them, yes, there's a goal in common every time that's happened, that when I load that goal in my mind, it causes my mind to use this unresolved associated pain-based data to build my perception. So... When, and, you know, it took me 35 years of working full-time with Aramaic Forgiveness to understand why you would do such a silly-ass thing as cancel a perfectly good goal. And it's not because there's anything wrong with the goal. I cancel the goal because every time I load it in my mind, it resonates pain in me, keyway into my pain. So whenever I've got a goal for someone that they're not achieving, I've loaded that goal in my mind, and it causes my mind to use my corrupt data, my rage, my guilt, my fear, my pain, my drama, my trauma, to build my brain's image of them. And I hide all of my pain, guilt, and drama, and trauma in my brain's image of them, and I think they're actually the problem. How do I collapse that false world? You cancel the goal. And when you cancel the goal, that corrupt picture that your mind has falls apart and collapses in on itself. It collapses right to the root of what it is that needs to be healed. A good visualization for that collapse is to think of the video that we all saw a thousand times when the 9-11 towers went down and they collapsed into their own footprint. If you have a surface mind picture that you think is showing you someone outside of you is the cause of your pain, and you recognize that picture is driven by a goal and you cancel the goal, in the same way the 9-11 towers dropped into their own footprint, the perceptual construct of your mind that you've projected your pain into collapses in on its own footprint. Now you've got access to the original experience. And it always amazes me, you know, for 40 plus years I've been doing this forgiveness process with people, and it always amazes me what they drop into, the memories that are there when they allow construct of their mind to just collapse in on itself. You know, one of the things, of course, Miracles talks about is that you need to return the mind to the point where the original offense energy happened. And many people sit around trying to figure it out, trying to think of when did this, when did this, when did this. It's not a function of memory. Memory is just another trick made up by us to keep us from being. Memory simply repeats, repeats, repeats what's going on in carbon-based memory, the replicate mind, and leaves us void of access to the mind of love in us. 
We're designed to live out of that mind. But if we don't trust that mind, then what it holds is hidden from us. So it's a function of forgiveness to take us back to the original root energy, and it does that because when you cancel the goal, that whole perceptual construct just drops in on itself and gives you access to what's underneath it. And whatever's underneath it, whatever the trauma-based energy is underneath it, when you bring it forward, you know, the ancient name of the conscious mind is the altar. If you leave your altar free of what you put upon it, what did I put on it? Harry, Bill, Mary. Hortense, they're the problem. That's what I put on my altar, the conscious mind. When I collapse, when I leave a clean and open space within my mind, when I collapse what's on the altar, the perceptual construct that my mind is trying to convince me that means the problem is outside of me, when I collapse that, I get to go to the root energy. Now, I can only go to the root energy, the depth of the root energy of a trauma at the level of vitality that I have to do it. If I access something that's more traumatic, then my physiology has the vitality to heal, then my mind is not going to yield it up. I am not going to find that memory. That's why it was said, yes, you're going to have to do the forgiveness process perhaps many, many times because you'll have to revisit it and revisit it and revisit it. And each time you do, you'll shave off a little more of the trauma energy. You'll transmute a little more of the trauma energy until you're at a level of vitality that's high enough to handle the deepest trauma. And then when that trauma comes forward in the presence of active love, because your being cannot look on sin, energies that are off the mark, the light of your being transmutes those energetic patterns and you're freed of something that perhaps has been going on in your bloodline for a hundred generations. It's an elegant, elegant solution to the insanity that most of the world's walking around. You know, most of the world, just by virtue of being born into the world and the training of the world, are literally card-carrying members of the one world religion of blame. And it's a tough religion to give up. It's a tough one to stand naked and desolate and say, wow, this is mine. I need to deal with this. But it can be done. And that forgiveness process is exactly how to do it. Now, you can access the forgiveness worksheet by going to our website, whyagain.org. The worksheet's there. You can do it live on the website. You can download it and print it. You can also go to your app store on your phone and type in the words Heartland, H-E-A-R-T-L-A-N-D, Aramaic, forgiveness. And when you do that in your app store on your phone, you'll be looking at, or your tablet, you'll be looking at the world's only forgiveness app. Download it. It's free. It was specifically purposely designed to be supremely private. In fact, it only asks one permission, and that is to use the Internet. You know, where most apps, they want to be able to take pictures, and they want to be able to record sound, and they want to be able to change your text, and they want to be able to read your emails, and they want to be able to send email. None of that. One permission, that's it. I have to use the Internet in order to function. When you complete a worksheet, if you want to save it, you can print it as a PDF. And if you do that, it will ask for one additional permission. 
and that is to use your drive to save the PDF for yourself. And that's it. So Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness in your app store, and you can do this forgiveness process right there on your phone or on your tablet and what have you, Android or iPhone, either one. So we're here to answer questions as people confront those things. Sometimes the mind can move into very deep confusion, and that's part of the transmutation process. You know, when something comes up crystal clear, oh, this hate experience belonged to them, I can say, well, I'm really clear on this. But as it begins to dissolve and fall apart, it comes up, man, I'm kind of confused here. That's one of the symptoms of healing. That's one of the stages in the healing process. Be with it. Enter the practice of holding love conscious, active, and present, because the more powerfully you can do that, the more powerfully you can shine the light on those energetic patterns that are based in hostility or fear and dissolve them, be freed of them, literally forgive them. So in essence, that's what this work is all about, Elfie. And so we've got about a half an hour left on the show, space for questions, thoughts. They're my thoughts for today. So, Miss Jeannie, do we have anybody in the phone queue with a hand up or anything happening in the chat room? We do have a hand up. And it's awesome. area code 434. 434, you're on the air. Who do we have? Khalil from Charlottesville, Virginia. Hey, welcome. How are you? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm rocking. Doing well. How can we serve you today? Uh, this is a psychic show, right? Say it again. It's a psychic show, right? Well, we used to be associated with a, a group uh, that did psychic type stuff when we first started this show, but it wasn't our cup of tea. It wasn't what we were into. So we've shifted out of that actually several years ago. We, we haven't been associated with uh, Carol's Carol Guy's show for a long time. Uh, what do you, I don't know whether – go ahead. Uh, what do you guys talk about right now? Well, the, the focal point of this work, I'm, I'm the director of a foundation that's translating a copy of the oldest known New Testament in its Arama first century Aramaic language. And when you go back into that language 2,000 years ago, when people were told to forgive, they weren't being told to let other people off the hook because there was pain inside of them. There was a technology that had been developed literally 2,000 years ago for how to access painful experiences and remove them from your mind, your emotions, and your body. So that's kind of our specialty is first century Aramaic forgiveness. We have an app for forgiveness. We have a 20,000-page website that has all kinds of information and corollary tools. And so our focal point is getting the true understanding of forgiveness out into the world and make it available literally to every mind, heart, and being on the planet. So that's our focal point. That's what we do. What do you do in the world? I just, um, I basically try to do right by people. Um, when people apologize, I forgive them. And I um, also, um, I don't go crazy on people, like, you know, hurt them or anything when they right. do something to me. But uh -huh. um, I, let them, I let them know even if they're having a bad day, it's not okay. I mean, I need right. to do a do a better job verbally, but 
I let them know even if they're having a bad day, it's not okay to take it out on me the way you do. Well, and 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 what we would say to you, just in the context of that short introduction to what you do, what we would say is, please never forgive them. Never forgive anybody for anything. If somebody does something, as you're talking about, that's really off the wall, inappropriate, unkind, and not called for, then as opposed to forgiving them, the act of letting them off, like saying, you know, gee, I realize you did something that you're maybe, you know, you want to apologize for and such, so I'm going to pardon you. I'm going to let you off the hook. Most of the world calls that forgiveness. But if if somebody does something that's really bizarre and off the wall and I end up in pain because of it, or my mind tells me that I'm ending up in pain because of it, I may choose to pardon them and then I'll go and do the work of forgiveness and recognize that the reason I'm in this pain, especially if it's happening to me again, is because it's an energetic pattern that's inside of me. And so forgiveness is actually about uncovering the energetic patterns inside myself that cause pain, coming face to face with it, holding to the presence of love, and allowing that patterned pain to be dissolved so I don't have to go out and create it again. And one of the things I I used to do is I used to keynote at a conference called Global Sciences. And they had all kinds of just, you know, amazing presenters. And one year, this goes back about 33 or 34 years ago, there was a gentleman named Marcel Vogel who came to the conference to present. Marcel was a 23-year senior scientist from IBM. Uh, Marcel, when he was 11, you know, the kind of mind Marcel had was at 11 years of age, he invented chemical light. The reason we can use computers today is because Marcel, while he worked for IBM, developed the magnetic coating that allows our hard drives to store information. So the man was just a genius. And he presented a thing at the conference. I was one of the speakers, but as being part of the audience, he brought with him a thing that was called a Delaware camera. And it was a camera that you can attune to different frequencies with. It was like it had a a radio tuner on the front end of it so that when the aperture of the camera was open, it, it brought in whatever frequencies were present. It wasn't just attuned to light. So he could, what he showed us, the, the whole point of, of, of what I'm saying, what he showed us was that he could take a picture of the high energy waves that leave the mind when we think a thought. So recognizing that everything that we hold within us is energy, and energy in motion creates energy waves, he could measure literally the pattern thoughts of P-Course, recognizing that we live in a world of energy and resonance. If I hold, let's say, you know, people always hurt me this way, then I'm literally, by holding that mind energy, by holding that thought, I'm setting up a mental energy pattern that calls for somebody to come and hurt me that way again. And so... What forgiveness is about is going inside of oneself and removing those patterns. So anybody that comes along around, e- even if they have the inclination to do whatever it is they've done in the past to hurt me, because I'm no longer calling for it energetically, it disappears. It doesn't happen to me again. I'm finished with it. So that's the power and the technology of forgiveness that was presented 2,000 years ago and that we got to decode and understand from the first century Aramaic language. So that's kind of 
you know, our thing is to make that understanding available because most of the world's running around forgiving everybody. Oh, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forget. I'm gonna, if I forgive you because I'm in pain, is there, is there anything changing inside of me because I've forgiven you? No. And so I'm going to get to do my pain again and again and again. With forgiveness, you change the patterns of pain and you get to just finish the old family games, you know, usually cultural and family system uh, traumas and dramas. It just changes the whole game. So that's the focal point. We have an app for doing the forgiveness process. We've got a 20,000-page website with just all kinds of corollary data and tools you know, in the realm of communication, we have several different worksheets, uh, codependence to interdependence, uh, on creating conscious. So we just have a wide variety of different uh, workshops that we teach for helping people to improve their lives and get past their why is this happening to me again experiences. So that's kind of what this show is about. It's been going on for the last 12 years, and we're here to just be of support with people in understanding that that's possible. Does that make sense? It does. Cool. Well, does that leave you with any questions or any way we can support you? Um, not right now, but I, um, I'll call back. I appreciate it. Okay. You might want to uh, to look up the uh, our website and or the app. And um, from the app, you can do the forgiveness process. You can ask questions about it and communicate with us. And any way we can support you, that's what we're here to do. I'm delighted to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. All right. Blessings. Take care. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Well, Ms. Jeannie, we're down to about 22 or 23 minutes. Do we have anybody we else have out there with a hand up minutes. on the phone? Yes. No, let's go for it. No, Tipia. Welcome, Tipia. She's in the chat room. Um, Hi, Tipia. All the way from Thailand. And uh, if you have any questions, Tipia, you can type it there in the chat room, and I'll be glad to read it out loud. We've got uh, several people Absolutely glad on. you're on the show. It's some. late. Yeah. Actually, she had posted something on Facebook this morning, and I uh, tagged you in it. I didn't know if you would see it or not, but she had put something out there about forgiveness. And we had a hand just go up, and I believe it's Miss Susan. Welcome. 610, you're on the air. Hi. How are you, everybody? Welcome, young lady. We got got the Avison back yesterday. Thank you. Oh, good. And that box is pretty well worn. (laughs) And I had trouble cramming everything in there. (laughs) <laughs> but it fit, and it's it's okay. It did. Nothing happened to it, right? Good. Thank you so it's much for letting shape. me use Actually, that. actually, I have my hand in it right now. Oh, good. I took it out of the box and set it up, and uh, whenever I get a machine back, I always use it for a few days just to make sure there are no glitches in it before I put oh, it out there been again. fine. And my friend Jenna, uh, she had an almost totally paralyzed, immobile hand, and her hand is almost full motion now. She uses the Avacyn two or three times a day. She'll wake in the middle of the night and get her hand in there. So it's going to stay with her for the time being. You had said that if we are moving around a lot and it seems as if our blood is moving around, then we may not need the effects of it. But I'm thinking in my older age, when I, if and when that ever happens, God forbid, um, it would be very useful to have it. And by then, who knows? She's about, she's 84, I think, now. 
So Well, holding her in a blessing. I'm glad she's doing well with it. Yeah, and she's very fragile and can't move around much. She walks with great difficulty and her balance isn't good. So I think no, it's a great thing to have it for the thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, with our, most of our conversation yesterday being with uh, with Michael Teddy about the hours, right, and that I was almost, that. I don't know if you were on yesterday, but yeah, I did I have somebody asking me this morning, where they can get one, and I just I, I hadn't talked about that yesterday. It didn't come to mind, but we do, you know, we distribute them. And in fact, if anybody's interested, the on a machine with a three-year warranty, they've got the best price I've seen from day one of working with this. They put out a Valentine special. There's actually the regular home unit, the one that you have, and then they had a pro model which was for professionals, and it came with professional licensing so people could use it and charge to use it. Well, they came out with a new generation of technology, so that unit is no longer being sold to professionals. It's identical to the home unit. It's just a different color. And with a three-year warranty and this Valentine sale until the 28th of the month, it's actually on sale for $24.95, which is about $400 less than I've ever seen it. So if anybody's interested, contact us, and we can set that up. There's a special code that's needed, and it takes $1,000 off their already on sale price. So just so, so anybody price, was on yesterday. I'm bad at math. So what's the price of it now? That deal, the unit the actually deal? lists at $44.95, and they've, they've had it for some time now on sale since they – got a new generation of technology, they reduced the price to thirty four ninety five. And their Valentine sale includes a code and it drops the price from thirty four ninety five to twenty four ninety five with a three year warranty. You're saying so does that mean three hundred something or three thousand something? I'm sorry, I'm so bad at math. You have oh, to spell it out. Two two thousand four hundred and ninety five dollars. Wow, it's the price I'm of that sure machine now, much, new. Too little. I'm, I'm glad you got a, your machine. Well, I didn't insure it enough. Oh, oh it, it came through just fine. But anyway, that's yes. what the sale price is. And as I say, it's $400 less than I've ever seen that machine on sale for, so or available for. Yeah. So if anybody's interested, it's uh, I think the best price is going to come along for a long time to come with a three-year warranty. Mm. Good luck. I hope people so can, drop you know, can know. use that. Or me. And other than that, young lady, what's what be happening in your world? Well, I have a question. Um, you know, we have this fellow living with us, and uh, he had been helping out with the refugee center. And right, one of the one of the um, refugee children went in to the kitchen where he has this little dog in a carriage. And the child, of course, thought there was a baby in there and looked inside, and the dog barked at him and frightened the baby. And all of a sudden, there's this whole business of Michael shouldn't be in the kitchen with the dog. The dog, it's a health issue, although the irony is if it were a full-blown certified service dog, he'd be allowed in the kitchen. And so I wonder about that because the dog is a dog, and... Uh, in any case, he doesn't have any papers to tell us that this is a service dog or 
and he, he doesn't call it a service dog, which is more official. He calls it an emotional support dog. And right. that yes. wouldn't be enough of a designation to allow him to have a dog anywhere, like a restaurant or an apartment could say right. no, no dog. So he's no longer going to help at the refugee center. I said to him, you know, it's only two hours. Tim Bingham is home. He'd be happy to watch the dog. The dog's in right. no trouble. Tim could have him with him. But he doesn't want to do that, which made me realize that he doesn't have, there's been some talk, but he doesn't have plans to find work because he would have to have the dog with him. And he even said to me, well, why would I want a job? And then suddenly I thought, I wonder if Tim and I are enabling him and not helping him at this point, because basically he's not even getting gigs uh, to play his music. He did help with that uh, Valentine's Day thing, and it was wonderful. Right. But he's basically now saying, oh, well, I too bad. Now I can't do it. And that's, the, that's what I looked forward to all week. <clears throat> but when we suggest simple solutions, the answer is no. So there's, there's fear there and resistance and I don't know what. So I'm dealing with two things, wondering if I'm enabling him and also another layer of frustration, you know, because I want to say, well, how about this or how about that? And um, I've got to stop doing that. I'm trying to fix and help, and that isn't working. But meanwhile, he's here, and he's really very easy, but he's here, and I'm not all that comfortable with the whole situation. But it's my thoughts that make me uncomfortable. <laughs> you know? Right. There you go. Nice catch. Yeah. Yeah. It's my thoughts. So I think, well, you know, what do, you, what do I do with my thoughts? And I haven't, I've done worksheets and stuff, but it basically comes down to, I do, I kind of end up in a Byron Katie switch. She'll say, how are you like that? And I see myself as a um, a user, an entitled, um, um, imposing on Tim Bingham. I've asked myself, you know, I I don't have to earn money. I've had this great life where I do work hard, but I don't, you know, Tim Bingham pays the bills. How is this different? Well, the difference is because I'm moving around a lot, doing a lot of things, and making a nice home. But basically, I'm just like Michael. And so <laughs> I'm sitting here. That's quite a leap, my friend. <laughs> well, I'm thinking, you know, how am I different? I'm, I've been had the luxury of being taken care of, except when I before I met him, I, I had a job, and I earned my way through college and uh, had jobs, and I always figured I could take care of myself, so that was, wasn't an issue. And I think I would right. again. Then I start getting judgmental. Well, if I do it, then he should do it. And my thoughts get all tangled up again. I'm in quite a mess with my thoughts. So well, it sounds like my... an opportunity to clean up some thought disorders. I think so. I almost hesitate to say if you could provide a mind shifter. Sure. My first thought, though, is to look at how 
you equate yourself with someone who's created a lot of trauma in their lives, mm-hmm. that you who have created a nice life for yourself, which every one of us deserves, to really look at how you would equate yourself with someone who hasn't done such a great job of creating a nice life, that you can take your thoughts and put yourself on an equivalent, you know, do a false equivalency of yourself with someone who's, you know, for whatever reasons. And, you know, uh, from what you've told me, there are lots of them that are probably pretty justified. Uh, for whatever reason, has created himself quite a traumatic life. So I'd invite you to maybe do some worksheets around why you would equate yourself, why why you would use thinking and what thoughts should be, pay attention to what thoughts you need to forgive that would put you in that same ballpark because I see no resemblance whatsoever. I don't either except for the money part. But, but, so, so maybe some worksheets around money and, and what a silly thing it is that we count our, our value and our worth in little pieces of green paper that are absolutely, totally, and completely worthless. They're nothing but, you know, barter chips. They have no value whatsoever. <clears throat> Could you so say might that be worth just again? Looking at about the why money? I... Yeah. Yeah. What what to really pay attention to what thoughts you use and you know, we're back to the old power person dynamic. What did your power person tell you that planted thoughts in you that allows you to equate yourself with someone who has created a a traumatic life and you haven't? Why would you want to drag yourself into that and what thoughts you use to do that and that's what I would say needs forgiveness I mean in terms of who we are Michael has as much value as you or I or anybody else as a human being and his creative process has led him to a pretty traumatic place and you know I can understand from some of the conversations I've had with him that he has PTSD mm-hmm. and that his dog is his emotional support. I, I did right. send you a link. I haven't read through it just as you were talking and just quickly did a search, but I would think that very likely he could get his dog certified as a service dog. I don't know the mechanics of it. I've never been involved in such a yeah. thing, but it makes sense to me that, you know, this is truly a service dog that he's got, even though it may not be, you know, officially trained as one, but I would think that mm-hmm. there's probably a mechanism to get a designation for that dog as a service dog, and that would certainly liberate him from uh, from being rejected because he's got a dog. Yeah, we talked about that, and there's a lot of resistance there. It's mainly about money. He says, well, I'd have to get a doctor's letter, and I have no money for a doctor, and I have to get something else. And he says he had papers. And he's lost them. So, um, well, then whoever he had the papers from, so whoever yeah. he had the papers from, he can get them again. Just you know, they haven't lost them. Right. If someone gave him some kind of certification, then if that person's still alive and well and has an office somewhere, then it sound like it would probably be pretty easy to just replace those papers. 
Yeah, I suggested that, and he said that's not possible. I don't know whether that means he really doesn't or yeah. didn't have papers or whatever. There's, I yeah. keep bumping up against um, reasons for staying the way things are. Um, and then I have to do some deep breathing and detaching <laughs> and looking at what am I doing, yeah. you know. Well, to me, to me, it sounds like there's a relatively good exchange going on between you, which to me would not put you in the position of enabling him. You know, he is mm-hmm. doing things for you and, and earning his way, perhaps not in the way the commercial system would say it you know, and, and value it in terms of dollars, but it sounds like he is mm-hmm. there for you. And so I would really want to look why I would put myself in a comparable position and then think that, well, this must be enabling. Now, it might be enabling. I don't know. Not holding him accountable mm-hmm. for something might might be an enabling posture, and, you know, you can always step up and, and uh, hold him accountable. Like, you know, Gee, you know, you need to get you had papers. Then I'll, I'll support you. Let's look at what it's going to take to get them done again. Where were the papers from? Mm-hmm. Blah blah blah, and see where it goes. So maybe yeah. some accountability there. But it sounds like there's a, a a fairly generous mix of charity on your part, which I don't think charity is enabling. I think it's something that we all need to do a reasonable amount of, and mm. generosity. And he is, as as you shared with us, he is efforting doing some things in return. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, it sounds like he's got a limited capacity. And people with PTSD, it's um, it's a tough road to carry. And and sadly, most Americans have PTSD. I think if you look at the, you know, the the child assessments. You know, they went through, and you know, we've talked about this before, but I think there was seven or eight different traumas that children can go through as children, and that mm. you know, something like sixty percent of Americans have at least one or more of those traumas that they've been through. Mm-hmm. And those kind of traumas, until they're resolved, are quite disabling for people. You know, right down to the point where you know, even on a mechanical level, if somebody's got a a trauma that's activated, it's pulled into action activity, and they move into that sympathetic dominant state, literally it draws blood away from the higher centers of the brain, and that's why part of the sympathetic dominant mode is freeze. Literally, people say, well, you know, why don't you just do something? It's because literally the brain is deprived of oxygen. The part of the brain, the frontal lobes of the brain, the higher centers of the brain are deprived of oxygen, and there is no capacity to utilize those frontal lobes to do things that are reasonable for everybody else to do. Well, yeah. And so, you know, having the tools to heal those things, it's really important. And unfortunately, most people don't have access to those tools. I guess what I'm trying to do is get clear so that I can be in that blessing state, allowing, blessing, wishing well state. And often I find that I feel tight in the shoulders, tight in the chest, 
I'm not in a very good position to make suggestions and get get a ball or I'd rather strangle yeah. a guy. Nice. And <laughs> a gentle strangling. <laughs> and and no, what I hear yeah. what I hear is he can resonate some stuff you haven't dealt with yet. That's why your body's tightening up. That's, you know, it's not happening as a result of something he's doing to you, you know, punch you in the shoulder, so now your shoulders are tight. That's something you carry around with you that needs forgiveness. That's, that's your opportunity. Mm-hmm. That would be my take. And so a mind shifter that might be helpful in that arena would be It's safe and healing mm-hmm. for me to look at every part of my mind that Michael shows me. Oh, yeah. That is fueled by fear or hostility. And so... It sounds like Michael is your mind shifter. Okay, it's safe and healing for me to look at every, I wrote so fast that I want to make sure I got it, every part of my mind that Michael shows me that is fueled by fear and hostility. I'll have to fool with how I worded it. And or hostility, yeah. Fear and or. Yeah. One thing about Tim Bingham that I'm learning that is amazing to me is we'll go for a walk and I'll say, how are you doing with Michael? And he says, fine, what? You know, he's just fine. And I say, you don't wonder, you know, what he's going to do with himself? No. No, I, I just let him be. And I think, you are an absolute angel. How do you do that? But he doesn't concern himself. And well, you'll like notice you'll thing. notice you'll notice he doesn't have goals for Michael, but you do. Right, he doesn't. I do. And he doesn't. And and your goals and your goals for Michael are probably projections of goals that your power person had for you. Okay, I'm going to write that down. That's sort of part of the mind shifter, right? That goals for Michael are like power person. Goals that your power person likely had for you. And so maybe and a lot sit of, and make a list yeah. of all the goals you have and do worksheets on each of those goals. Ew, big if only Michael goal. would. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> big fun. You ready for that kind of fun? <laughs> <laughs> I could say a swear word. <laughs> no, yeah. you wouldn't do that. No, not But we are almost out of time. The show is going to cut us okay. off in a minute. We'll just go on through. We won't play the outro. But uh, that would be what I'd do is I'd do a list of those uh, goals and, and start doing worksheets and just see what you uncover in yourself around them. Okay. You know, that grabs me more than the mind shifter. I'll keep the mind shifter, but that one really, mm-hmm. I can start doing it right now. Yeah. And and then as you make that list, you might look and see if what the relationship is between those goals and goals that your power person had for you. Right. Okay, good. 
Sweet. Okay. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you. Well, we appreciate you, too. Have so many things. All right. Always do. But anyway, we don't have time. So, yes, thank you so much. Well, there's there's always tomorrow. How cool is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, tomorrow is Friday. Friday. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Friday already, yes. Tim Hayes texted me and said, I'm snowed out. I'm snowed in. Yeah, he was just he was just blown out the ice and no power, no internet. So he uh, yeah. that's why we ended up playing the show for him. So. Oh, good. Cool. All right. Well, lots of love and blessings. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Jeannie. Okay. okay. Bye. Take care.